of you who are old enough to remember radio programs. There used to be um, a program um, where it used to talk about Wilfred Pickles. I forget what it's called now. Have a go. Have a go. <laughs> used to talk about Mabel at the table and Harry Hudson at the piano. You see? Well, it was Kevin at the computer this morning and Steve on the sound desk. <laughs> and that's good, isn't it? Yeah. Excellent. If you who are old enough to that job for us and uh, doing it very well. Uh, well done, guys. That's good. It's good we have people to stand in and serve and to do all these things. We're in the New Testament book of Colossians um, and have been in a series of seeing and worshipping Jesus. Um, that's been the essence of the talk because we've been naturally focusing on, on um, Jesus himself, the wonder of his person, what he's done for us, and um, just the majesty of coming to understand uh, the wonderful nature and the purpose of Jesus coming, what he's done, what he's doing, and what he's going to do. The shift slightly changes this morning because it's actually focusing upon us. It doesn't take our eyes off, and actually, in fact, it, we keep our eyes on Jesus in order to look at the bit we're going to look at this morning, which is continuing in the faith. Continuing in the faith. Let's read from Colossians 1 and about verse 21. Talking about us, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behaviour. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Have you taken that in? One hymn says, faultless, I stand before the throne. That's what Jesus has done for us. We shall stand faultless before the throne. You can't do it, I can't do it, but he has done it. That's the wonder of the salvation. Forget the past, forget all the things you can't do. Forget the things you can't put right because when you come to the throne of God you will stand faultless before God. Without blemish, without state, free from accusation. Amazing. But it's what Jesus has done. So our eyes are on him but we turn to a very important part this morning because John spoke about being reconciled to God last week and being reconciled to God if we decide to follow Jesus Christ we also decide to follow him it's no good just coming for the end result we come for a change in lifestyle we've read you were alienated from God because of your evil behaviour. We may not see things that we do necessarily as evil. But anything that actually does not come up to the glory of God in us separates us from him. And none of us is without a thing that separates us from God. 
but in Jesus Christ, what he's done for us, without blemish, free from accusation, and the hymn writer was right, and I repeat, faultless, I shall stand before the throne. So can we revel in what Jesus has done this morning? Rather than looking at our burdens, and, and it was good to pray for our burdens, because we know who to go to. We know who's the source of what we can do, the wonder of knowing him. So I want to read those verses again from 21, and I'll read on. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds, take that in, up here, because of your evil behaviour, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish, and free from accusation if you continue in your faith. Now, there's two ways we can read that. It says, we will be free from accusation and faultless, okay, if we continue in the faith. But it's really not what it's saying. I just want to say to you something which may sound a bit daft in one way, but in another way, it's the way that God works. Once we have decided to accept Jesus Christ as our Saviour, we shall never lose our salvation, but we can lose our salvation. You say, I don't understand that. We won't lose it at the throne of God, but we may lose all that it means in this life. And I said earlier, it's not the end result on its own. It's actually... We've chosen to follow Jesus Christ. We've decided to accept him as saviour. We've also decided to follow him in our lives. And sometimes that becomes something that people don't deal with. They say, well, I only want, really, or I only get, you know, what he can do. I can't do anything now. But here, the charge, Paul is saying, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. What God has provided us for future splendour and glory is also available to us now, in essence. That's the context of it. And... It's the danger of losing the power and the wonder of what God has actually provided for us in the future. When, it, when the Bible talks about when we believe in Jesus Christ, we have eternal life, it's not looking actually to the future, it's looking your eternal life begins now. It starts now. And it's not so talking about the body, this body, what it's talking about is that all that God has for us will actually go through death into eternal life. Death won't have any claim, death won't have any claim on the inheritance that God has given us in Jesus Christ. And so when I was looking this morning, I was thinking about the message. God plopped this little line into my, into my mind, as it were. Great expectations. 
great expectations. When Paul wrote to the Colossian church, he had great expectations for them beyond the things that they were actually being taught and things were actually challenging their Christian lives. He had great expectations from them because this is why he wrote the letter. He said, now let me take your eyes off what you've been taught and the things which they're saying, which have no value. Place your eyes firmly on Jesus and follow him if you continue in the faith. And so the challenge this morning is to continue in the faith. And hopefully we'll look at some things which actually help us to understand what that really means. But think of great expectations. And so I thought, oh, well, I'll, watch. I'll just look into the story of Charles Dickens' great expectations. And so I had a, a little look. I had a look at a review and some reviews, bits of the novel, because there's a new film coming out, isn't there? Looking forward to seeing it. But Pip was in need. He was a needy child, and yet he had an amazing benefactor, and he was given an inheritance. When we become believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we're needy people, and we're actually given an inheritance. Now, Pip didn't know who the benefactor was. And sometimes, unbeknowing to us, we're unaware of the one who's put at our disposal an amazing inheritance. And today we revel in that fact, it's Jesus. He's not only saved us for a future, eternal life, but he's given us a present inheritance to see and enjoy and to follow through all that God wants us to have. He squandered his inheritance. And that's the point this morning. If we continue. I asked myself the question when I was preparing for this. David, are you actually continuing in the faith? And the challenge is for each one of us. Are you actually continuing where you started off? Have you actually moved on a bit from where you were when you came to Jesus? Have you learnt new things? Have you understood new powers? Have you understand new thinking? Pip was given an inheritance to become a gentleman. He was given an inheritance to actually change his life. And the inheritance that we have in Jesus Christ is to change us and to make us more like Jesus. There was a cunning against his life through an intermediary. He got caught up in the, in the web, in the, in the tangle of someone else's bad spirit or suffering in the life. And he was actually drawn into that, unbeknowingly. And the danger is sometimes that we, as believers, like the Colossians, they were being actually drawn in to something which they needed someone to explain to them what was happening. It's actually trying to take your eyes off of what the situation which is going on in your life. I just read something I read in one of the reviews. 
Pip was singled out for an inheritance which he squandered. He was unaware of his benefactor and even misdirected in his assumption. Forces of cunning against him, even in Estella, he was being drawn into a maze of unexpected interest and influence. While wishing Estella never to suffer as she had at the hands of a man was Miss Havisham's original goal, it changed as Estella grew older. Believe this, when she first came, I meant to save her from misery like my own. At first I meant no more, but as she grew and promised to be beautiful, I gradually did worse, and with my praises, and with my jewels, and with my teachings, and with this figure of myself always before her, a warning to back and point my lessons, I stole her heart away and put ice in its place. That's the cunning sometimes that's against us as Christians. To draw us off onto other things. To get us minds captivated on things which will actually take our eyes off Jesus and make us continue in the faith. I stole her heart. And I want to tell you some this morning, day after day after day, moment after moment after moment, someone wants to steal your heart and take it away from Jesus. That's why we need to watch out what we do, what we say, what we listen to, what we hear, because Paul is saying the need to continue in the faith is not one of passiveness. It's one of activity, day by day, moment by moment, and each time. Don't let anybody steal your heart away from Jesus. So I was interested just to read those few points in the review. So John spoke about being reconciled to God with this tremendous privilege of access to God, whereas we're not, we, we were not privy to the inner councils of the emerging kingdom of God. But having become a believer in Jesus Christ, we're now let in on the secrets. We're now given new understanding. Paul said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And says, having been given the mind of Christ, let it happen. Let your mind be taken and concentrating on him and take you to what the things that God has prepared. Because Paul said to the Corinthian church, he said, it's not entered into the heart of man, the things that God's prepared for those that love him, but he has revealed it to us by his Spirit. So the Holy Spirit of God will be a revealer of this amazing and tremendous Christian life, believer's life, that we've been brought into by trusting in Jesus. Those who accept Jesus Christ as their saviour also accept to follow him. From simple things that we may know at God, we're now brought into deep things which the Spirit searches. So, let me put it this way. A person who doesn't actually believe in Jesus Christ, he knows the stories of Jesus, we hear about God, we either believe he created the earth or we don't believe that, we, we believe some other thing. But there is an awareness of God and Satan is quite happy with that. He's quite happy that people believe in God. 
but he's not happy when we come to believe in Jesus Christ and what he's done for us because that brings us into the personal dealing that we have with God. That's a personal dealing we have with God. So, from the simple things that we may know about God, we're now brought into deep things of God which are revealed to us by his Spirit. The throne of God which we held in contempt you know, God's not in control and um, I don't believe there's anyone and I don't believe in creation and uh, uh, the world's just going out of control sort of thing. That's holding the throne of God in contempt. In other words, God has no relevance in this life, in this world, in this universe. The throne which we held in contempt we now see as the anchor and gateway a glorious future of unparalleled splendour. Revelation talks about that. Revelation's about Jesus and it talks about there being no more sin, no more death, no more suffering, no more pain. Well, the former things have passed away. That's the wonder. And we can live in the good of that now. So we held the throne in contempt. We now see it as an anchor and gateway of a glorious future. We're now brought into a new authority in Jesus Christ. What is that authority? The authority which Jesus demonstrated could be at the end of our arms, in our mouths, and in our hearts. Jesus said something which was actually quite strange. He said, if you say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, it will happen. It was not actually about a mountain, it was about authority. That new authority that we have in our life gives us actually inner strength and personal authority over things that we can't handle ourselves. Things like habits. You say, well, I wish... I didn't do that. And I wish I could do that. And God brings us into a new authority. This is part of the inheritance. A new authority. And I say that with compassion because on the television, in society, people say, I just can't help doing it. I just can't help it. And whilst that is true, we can't help it We're talking about a saviour this morning who gives us an authority. (laughs) I was once praying for authority. Lord, I just want the spirit of authority, you know, to do that. And it came back as quick as this. You demonstrate authority on your own life and it'll be a natural thing to you. So we can't expect to bless others with an authority God has given us unless we're actually experiencing it in our own life. That's where it begins. So God has given us a new authority when we trust him as saviour. To take control of situations, even finances, and even life and business. Sometimes things, when they're out of hand, God gives us the wisdom to handle things. A new authority comes through knowing Jesus Christ as saviour. God also, we also have this emissary calling with God's representatives here on earth to a better life for everyone. But we don't handle it well. But it's that fact of being God's 
singularly chosen person to be in the place that God wants us. Ezekiel had visions of God and he had visions of the current situation in his life and things that the world was out of control and the Jewish people were, were just lives were all over the place. Out of sync with God and out of sync with each other. And he said this, I looked for a man to stand in the gap but there was no one. But there was no one. Ultimately, we find a man did stand in the gap and his name was Jesus. But there are situations in our life and in Herne Bay where God wants a man and a woman to stand in the gap. An emirate of the kingdom of God. And each one of us has been called to that, to be an emissary of God's kingdom. To be standing in the gap. But also we're beneficiaries of an amazing inheritance so often found in the trash bin. I was amazed to find four emails in my spam folder this week. Now I do appreciate some may not understand what I'm talking about here. Um, But two of them were from people saying that they were committed Christians and they had a million or so pounds in a bank account in another country and um, if I was to actually give them my details I would get some of this finance. So I popped it in the trash bin, (laughs) you see. And um, I also had one that came from the King's School in Canterbury. I don't know where I got my email from but it was from the head of the school from the person, his personal assistant. I didn't open it, but I sent it, or sent it, I said, I've received this email, I haven't, there were several attachments to it, and I was very tempted to open them and to have a look. But I thought, no, I'll send it back. I also had one, was, this is about your Yahoo account. This is about your Yahoo, you need to upgrade, update your Yahoo account. And when I looked, I just rolled my pointer over the message and it was nothing to do with Yahoo at all. It was to do from someone in France. So beware on clicking. Beware on clicking just to be interested but I was talking earlier about our minds being taken off the real course. There are some things that needed to be put in the trash bin, but there's other things we put in the trash bin that ought not to be there. Things pertaining to the kingdom of God, pursuing righteousness. But we are beneficiaries of an amazing inheritance. so often found in the trash bin. Oh, I can't cope with that. I don't need it. I put it... I don't see that being relevant to me. And yet if we think about all the amazing promises that God has given us, I will supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. I will never leave you or forsake you. I changed my praying recently um, I was sort of praying, you know, as I always do, and you do, Lord, will you come with me today? And I realised God had said to me, 
wherever you go, I will be. Now, it's actually believing the truth of the promises of God to actually accepting what he said. I just want to run some Bible verses before you to see how about this continuing in the faith that it's uh, people who've pursued. 1 Timothy 6 verse 12, Paul writes to Timothy, take hold of eternal life to which you were called. Philippians 2 verse 12, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Let's see, we have to work at it. Hebrews 12, run the race set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of the faith. Paul said, I press on to the high calling of God in Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy 4 verse 7, Paul also said, as his life neared its end, I have fought the fight. I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Is that a challenge to us? It is to me anyway. Fought the fight. That means our Christian life is not a pacific thing to be fought for. Being aware of dangers, knowing who our enemy is, knowing how it's coming to us, like through Pip and Estella. The effects of Miss Havisham weren't coming directly to pick up, but they were coming through someone else. Beware of friends we make sometimes. Beware of situations we get involved in. And just let's approach them with the wisdom of God. There was a widow, an elderly widow, who was living in Scotland, and um, she'd become partially sighted. And um, a man went to visit her because he heard that she was in need. And uh, he went to her and he said, well, how are you getting on and all this sort of thing? You know, have got any relatives? Yes, a son in Australia. And um, she says, does he help you in your need? Well, no, she said, I don't see him. Um, he said, now and again, he writes me a note and he sends me a little picture of himself. And so, um, and she had several of these just where they were. So um, he said, can I see one of these bits of paper you get sent from your son? And when he looked at them, were actually bank drafts for £10 a week. She failed to see that she had an inheritance, really, or someone was supplying her need. This little story I heard the other day about a missionary called Herbert Chapman. Quite a few years back now, he had an old car, and it was a beggar for starting. He couldn't so he, he put different things in place so that he could get about with his old car. So um, his car was near a school and so he used to get the teacher to get the children out to push his car to get it started. <laughs> and uh, so that's what happened. Uh, when he went off away from the school, he used to park his car on a hill, you know, so he could let it run down the hill... <laughs> And start. I know some of you old fogies know, and me as old fogies well, well know, know the beneficiaries of leaving your car on a hill. Some of you also know the benefits of having a starting handle. <laughs> yeah, starting handle. What a blessing they were. Supplied free with the car. If you lost it, or you left it in the front and you, and you broke, the thing shot out in front. 
the blessings and the curses of starting handle. But anyway, Herbert Chapman had this, uh, had this car, and so he used to leave it on a hill. He became sick, and a new missionary came. And he says, you'll have trouble with the car. And so he said, let me have a look under the bonnet. And so he looked under the bonnet, and he found a loose connection. So he put the wire back on properly to where it was meant to be. And he said, there, I'll fix it, he said. So all those years, he was having a problem. But the comment was, it's lost connection. And Paul, writing to the Philippian church, I think, talked about losing connection with the head. And that's what we mustn't do. Lose connection with the head. Seeing and worshipping Jesus, we need to be kept and there. So don't trash our inheritance. Don't trash your inheritance. You will all know the story about the what's called the prodigal son. The story has two sons in it. They both trashed their inheritance. One did it in a rebellious way. Then he asked the father for his portion of the good that fell to him, so he had it all off. He went, spent it all. And this is what we read about him. No man gave to him. No man gave to him. The other son, he treated his inheritance with contempt. They both trashed their inheritance, one in a rebellious way and one in a contemptuous way. What did he show contempt for? He showed contempt for his rightful place in the family and the honour of being the firstborn son. You know, sometimes we look very cautiously at ourselves, but we don't give ourselves. Sometimes we need to look at ourselves and see what God has given us in Jesus. And not just see us as we are and the failures we make. Like we said before, the authority and the blessing and living in the promises of God but we can trash our inheritance by holding in contempt our place in the family and having the honour of being like the firstborn son in a family. When we believe in Jesus Christ, God has given us the honour of being a child of God like the firstborn in the family has the first of the inheritance. He had contempt. He had a spirit like this. I will do it if I'm asked or I have not been asked to do anything so I don't need to get involved. Now the whole concept of the Jewish family was that they didn't work, they didn't get involved in the work. Remember he's the firstborn son, the other younger son has gone. And the actual fact, you didn't leave the base but you gave the commands but we find him in the field. We find him in the field. Now, why was he in the field? Now, I don't want to push this point too far, but there's hints here. There's hints here he'd left the home too. In a sense, not actually, 
but in spirit. He'd left it in spirit. So don't trash our inheritance. When he heard music in the house, he asked the servant what was going in the house. He wasn't in the house. Sometimes that happens, you know, people, they get discouraged with church or they get disenchanted with church. They maybe go out somewhere, but they do ask people what's going on. You know? It's actually living outside of not being outside of the family. And I believe it's a challenge to all of us to live in the family. Live in the place where it is. So this spirit about, I don't need to get involved. I've not been asked to do anything. It's not my job. It's a spirit of contempt of the family. Don't trash the inheritance that God has given us in the family. You know, we've got prayer and vision tonight. If you really want to be engaged with the family, you'll be here. I know there are legitimate reasons for not coming. It's about vision. It is about value. Don't live outside the family. You're in the family. God has placed us in the family. He's placed us in the family. Now there are some people who didn't continue from where they started. There was Adam and Eve. They didn't continue from where they started, did they? Let the whole world ruin because they didn't continue where they started. I don't know what else you can think of of people who didn't stay where they consulted. And there was this yuppie that came up to Jesus and, um, and he said, how can I have eternal life? The, the Bible tells us he was rich, he was young, and he was in, had a position of authority. Okay? A yuppie. A young, upwardly mobile person. He came to Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, do this, do this, do this, do this. But the result of it was, he went away sad. That was actually the conclusion of the story. He went away sad. Belonging to Jesus and being a member of his family and following him is actually a life of gladness, not of sadness. And it's a blessing to be in that sort of situation. There was Adam and Eve, there was Judas. Remember Judas, who loved the purse, as it were? He was actually in on everything. And yet he surrendered the blessing. He trashed his inheritance. Don't trash your inheritance. So where does this leave us? We've got a few minutes, but it's all in Colossians. So if you'd like to get your Bibles and just turn to verses 9 to 12. How can we hold on to our inheritance? What's the sort of path that Paul's mapping out 
these people. He actually mapped it out before he said this. You begin at 9. We're going to read about Paul's prayer. So he's going to map it out. He's going to say, look, here's a path. And this is what I'm going to pray. And that's what we do when we come together as a church to pray for visions and values, isn't it? You have a path. You see where you need to go. And you pray about it. Paul was praying for these Colossian people. So what was he praying? For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you and asking God, number one, to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Do you know what God wants for you? How do you find out what God wants for you? Will you get into his presence and find out? I think it was Paul who also said, desire, now this is intentionality, because when we come to Jesus, we're put on a path of intentionality to do something about where we weren't. How do we find it? It says, desire the sincere milk of the word. That means say, I want to have food that's going to make me and help me know what God wants me to do. What is his will for me personally? What is his will for me generally? In my relation to the world I live in and the church I belong to and the people I work with, what is his will? Paul said he wanted you to be filled. Filled. Filled with the knowledge of his will. Number one. Number two, live a life worthy of the Lord. Live a life worthy of the Lord. I just want to challenge language, our speech. Not because of what I do, but I had a customer, Peter and I worked in her house for a whole week, and this is her comments at the end. She said, I've not heard one swear word between the two of you. I didn't ask her to say that, that's what she said. You know the word bloody used to be a very offensive word, but now it's used quite commonly. Now, there may, be a, there may be a change in culture, and I'm not saying it's offensive today, but that's how it began. And as a child, I first learnt my first bloody word at school. And uh, my parents didn't use the word. And um, no one I knew used the word. But... As a little boy walking up the road to school, I tried to think of ways I could use this word. <laughs> use it out of context because I wanted to be like the others. Nothing wrong in that, but the whole purpose it was I didn't want to be different. And sometimes, you know, crikey is related to Christ. For crying out loud are the words that Jesus uttered from the cross. Oh my God, you know, the Bible says taking the, God will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Now, that's under the law. I understand that. And I understand it's not, we're not under the law now. But the question is, do we want to live a life which is worthy of the Lord? Someone asked me this in this church a few weeks ago. He said, can I use the F word? I didn't have an answer. But the question is, do you want to live a life 
worthy of the Lord? I think that's the question. A lot of language is coming across today which has connotations, sexual, and and I think we just need, I'm not saying we shouldn't do this. This is not a law, but I just want to write past you and say, do I want to be different? Do I want to live a life worthy of the Lord? Or just like, I have two son-in-laws and they keep using the phrase phrase to me, um, I can't remember it now. Oh, that tells you how old I am, doesn't it? Cringe factor. That's it. In their church at Whitstable, oh, that was beyond the cringe factor today, wasn't it? You know, things that, that, that either the preacher or someone says, but they don't think can be uncomfortable for people. You know? And it's this business, about the comfort zone of where we are in society. But it's living a life worthy of the Lord. I just felt, because I was preparing, that God popped it into my, my head. Because as I get older, I feel I need to exple- use expletives more. I get more frustrated and more impatient. It seems to come on a lot easier. But I think there's a point where God, James speaks about the tongue. He said a whole forest can be set on fire by one word. And he said, actually, the sign of spiritual maturity is being able to control what you say. It's all wrapped up together. Live a life worthy of the Lord. The third one is to please him in every way. In every way. I just noticed, actually, the words that were used here. It's being filled with the knowledge of his will, living a life which is worthy, to please him in every way. Fourth one, to bear fruit. Fifth one, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power, talking about authority, our lives can be strengthened by knowing the power of God in our lives. That's where we go. The last one, joyfully giving thanks. Attitude with gratitude. You know, we've had the rain. It's very difficult to be thankful for the rain, isn't it, the last few days and weeks? Very difficult, very, very, very difficult. And of course, our minds, we just think about those who are actually the victims of the floodwaters and stuff like that. It's very, very hard and very difficult. It was my home and your home. But he says, joyfully giving thanks. Can we do that? You know, one thing the Spirit of God does when we become Christians is to actually give us the spirit of gratitude. And I said this, I think I was saying this the other week, somewhere, and a child is brought, oh, it's at Ramsgate. Someone was, we bring our children up to be polite. We actually teach them to say thank you, but the spirit of gratitude doesn't come like that, does it? In actual fact... It's put in us by the Spirit of God to know what it is to be grateful. We started off, didn't we, today, being grateful for the air I breathe, being joyfully thankful. April's reading this morning was spot on about hiding your way from me. We read about knowing what God wants for us, being filled with the knowledge of his will. So that's the path, isn't it? If we feel we need to continue, there's quite a list there. You know, as we read it, we find really it's quite tough. 
being a Christian. But it's an inheritance which is worth pursuing and worth holding on to if you continue. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the amazing inheritance you've given us and for, Lord, your love for us, which we've sung about this morning. We thank you so much for your patience with us. But we thank you, Father, for your desire for us. You have great expectations for us. Lord, great expectations. Help us to to know that. To move on from where we are. To continue in the faith. In Jesus' name, amen.